Welcome to Foster Carolinas, connecting the Carolinas to voices of foster care. L-O-T, the place I want to be. Come and sit down, have a foster chat with me. Well, guys, I'm so excited here in our podcast room. Foster Carolinas is so excited to have Miss Kathleen Bierce, right? Bierce? Bierce (laughs) with Fearless Fostering. And if you have been a foster mama for long at all, you probably follow her on Instagram, um, Fearless Fostering. And she is a foster care therapist. Um, But Kathleen, tell me, what does that mean that you're a foster care therapist? Okay. That's a great question. I didn't know that it existed. I don't actually know if it does, but I was like, I basically want people to know that I'm a foster care informed therapist. So my background is I'm a clinical social worker and I have a private practice in Connecticut where I live. And in that practice, I mostly serve women and adolescents. Um, And what I found was that through my own experience being a foster mom, I realized that pretty quickly there needs to be more therapists that understand really truly understand foster care and because you can just provide a different level of support to foster moms which is really what was on my heart um, at the time a couple years ago when I started really focusing on serving foster moms online so essentially it just means I'm a therapist um, in private practice who understands and has been through the foster care experience myself as a foster parent that's awesome how many kids have you fostered uh, just two. <laughs> hey, I'm right there with you. I haven't fostered very many, but um, two of them stayed forever. So that's what it is. That's exactly. I'm like, we did not sign up for a adoption track. We were like, we're going to serve the family for as long as they need served and whatever that looks like. And it ended up that both the kiddos um, that came to us, they happen to be biological siblings. They needed permanency through adoption. So we were very happy to give that to them. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so one of the things that you talk about and acknowledge is foster mama trauma. And uh, can you explain that a little bit? What is that? Yes. Well, I lived it. So I I am very happy to talk about it. I didn't know it existed. Um, you know, even as a social worker and my husband's a high school teacher, we thought we're coming into foster care, like eyes wide open. We did the trainings, you know, we're like, we know it's going to be hard. Obviously, there's going to be hard things about it for sure. But we felt like we were very well prepared to handle the like mental load and emotional load and the heart load of foster care. And we found out extremely early in that we were wrong. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, sitting six weeks into our first little guy's placement in a Starbucks with my husband. He was sitting across from me. We had just been at a uh, case review meeting and we had been told one thing. And then, then prior to the meeting, then at the meeting, a completely different thing like took place. And we were so blindsided by that. And I was just, I felt like a little child. I felt like a small kid. I was like crying at the table. I felt so silly. I just didn't, I was like, what is happening? And we were in the Starbucks trying to like talk about it. He's like, what did we get ourselves into? Like, did we know this was going to happen? And all these thoughts that were kind of going through our head and just even driving home from that um, meeting, I was like, you know what? we've got to start being proactive about it. If this is how it's going to be, <laughs> that we're just going to be like the line sided by things left and right. We need to take care of ourselves. We need to prioritize our mental health. So for me, when I talk about foster mama trauma, I'm talking about the uncertainty, the, the prolonged chronic uncertainty of foster care that really 
it feels normal to foster parents who have been doing it for any length of time. But I always say there is nothing normal about foster care, even if it feels like, well, this is just what we do. A social worker is coming to our house to, to you know, make sure everything's okay. That's not normal. Yeah, <laughs> That's not normal. It doesn't. It's really not like to have you know DCF coming to your house and uh, to have visits change on a dime, to have court dates. You know, you think something's going to happen, then nothing happens. You think permanency is going one way, then another thing happens. It's very, very tenuous all the time for foster mamas, and so I think. That's why I wanted to start talking about we have, how can we take care of ourselves? How can we bring this to the foreground of the conversation a little bit so that more foster mamas are prepared, more foster parents are prepared um, and don't feel so blindsided and so like unsettled and shaken up by the uncertainty of foster care. Chronic uncertainty. I think that you just described foster parenting well. Um, Cause I think people get, they get very excited when they first get licensed and they're like, they can't wait on that first placement and then I think sometimes we get really focused on the goodbye, like the goodbye will be the hardest part of foster care. And I say, oh, absolutely not. It's the up and down and the roller coaster that we ride of, okay, this is the court date. Oh, wait, they changed the court date. Oh, uh, going to adoption. Oh, wait, no, we're not going to adoption. Oh, we're, we're going to terminate right. Wait, no, we're not. It's just, and you never know. And honestly, you could be as prepared as you think you are very prepared and show up in court and something completely different will happen. And, um, and it's scary and it's frustrating and all those things. But I think you're right. We got to acknowledge that that takes a toll on us and it's not normal. None of, none of that is normal for us to, um, and our emotions, we're not really made to be able to, I guess, deal with that unless we have some healthy ways. So what are some healthy ways that you would say we could deal with our, our foster mama trauma? Well, my favorite thing is I always tell people a stillness practice, definitely a regular stillness practice and a regular movement practice as well. So a stillness practice could be prayer, meditation. It can be my favorite thing is just sitting outside quietly by myself. I just, I feel like in the Bible, God says, be still and know that I am God. To me, that's taking that active command and just, okay, I am going in my stillness. I'm recognizing that you are God. And I see, and I feel that you are sovereign over these circumstances of these children in my care of myself and my husband and my other kiddos in our care. Um, that's my favorite thing, but it can be anything. It can be, you know, a hot bath with really like soothing music on um, whatever feels like it would serve you. And I often will ask foster mamas that I talk to, I'll say, what do you need right now? And that's a hard question for most of them. They'll, we, we typically don't ask ourselves what we need. Um, so I say, just sit with that question for a little bit. What sounds like it would be the best form of a stillness practice for you? And maybe that changes day to day or week to week. Mm -hmm. And that's okay too. It's important to continue to check in. And then I also think a movement practice is very important. So any type of physical movement, it doesn't have to be, you know, a Peloton hard workout. It could just be a walk outside. It could be, you know, dancing around your living room whatever it is for you, but our bodies, as we know from trauma-informed care, they really do keep the score. So meaning they're holding trauma, they're holding this chronic uncertainty, and we have to have a way to release. Mm -hmm. So I always think the movement and stillness practice together is the best bet for that. That's 
awesome. And what would you say, like as a couple together, a married couple, like how, how do you and your husband deal with the trauma? Cause I'm sure you probably deal with trauma different than he does. So how do y'all come together and try and work through that? Yes. Great question. So I honestly, my husband and I are two totally different <laughs> polar opposite personalities. I'm extrovert. He's an introvert. He's like a math teacher, kind of quiet. Um, and I, of course, a therapist, I love chatting. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm a verbal processor and he's a very internal processor. And we had to learn pretty quickly that, you know, I need to tell you, not only do I need to ask myself, what do I need, but I need to ask you what you need. And you need to ask me what I need. And we need to have that conversation together. And sometimes the last thing that we wanted to do was talk about foster care anymore. It felt like you know, we have all these things that we're holding in and there's this unspoken heaviness, but I am so exhausted at the end of the day. I really don't want to talk about this, but we found that if we would go, um, when it was nice outside, outside on the deck and just like have some music on and like, just talk outside for some reason, that was like our special time that we could just, the kids were in bed and we could just feel free to either, if we wanted to talk about it, talk about it, or just listen to music and kind of hang out together. But um, we, I think it's really important for couples to get on the same page and know that it's okay if you communicate in different ways, if one person's more the listener and one person's more the, the talker. But I think it's really important for both people to have their own ways to process through everything. Now, I'm going to touch on something else, thinking about your biological children and how do you minister to them and how do you help them process the trauma or acknowledge it? I mean, I don't know if you had biological, but what would your suggestion be as a therapist? Like how it's it's different for the biological children. They didn't sign up for this, um, but they go through the same trauma that we do as we go, th you know, do the foster care. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great question. Yeah, we do. We have two um, older biological sons and they, we kind of told them at the beginning, they were in kindergarten and third grade when we started fostering. And I just said, you know, we don't know what this process is going to be like, but I promise you, you will always know what I know in, a, in an age appropriate way. So um, if, you know, cause they would ask, you know, oh, are, are they going to stay with us? Is he going to stay forever? Or is he going to go back to his mommy? And I'm like, I don't know. And I would come home from court sometimes and I would be crying, you know, because it was sad. It was heavy. It yeah. was like, you know, people are talking about really heavy things. And I can see the emotions are really at, right here for us to see. And it's so, it's so difficult then to go home and be like, okay, now it's time to make dinner. It's time to do the regular routine of being a mom. Um, so they would notice when I was sad, they would notice when I was feeling, you know, not my best self. And, and they would say, you know, what's wrong? It was hard to see um, some people who were pretty sad or whatever. And I just tried to tell them in an age appropriate way. And I always told them too, if you ever have a question, you can ask us about it. We can talk about it. You know, if you want to talk about it, we don't have to talk about it. I think just really giving them um, as much control as possible by saying, you know, if you want to ever just go out for lunch with me and, and talk about what you're feeling about this, we can or we don't have to, we can, you know, it's up to you. It's however you want to process it and just giving them as much of that control as possible helps kind of alleviate some of their anxiety. I love that. You will always know what I know. I do love that. That's, that's good advice um, to help with that. Um, well, I, I, good grief. I can't think of other questions to ask because you are so knowledgeable. I'm like, I, I don't want to completely get off topic um, from where we're talking about right now. But one thing that we try and do is educate 
foster parents and and we try and educate the public about what it is to be a foster parent and and why why you should do it. Um, now I honestly spend a lot of my time trying to talk people out of being foster parents because I feel like if I can talk you out of it, you probably weren't really supposed to be one to start with. But if yeah. somebody's on the fence and they've been thinking about it, and maybe you can talk about your own experience and how you decided to become foster parents. Yes. I think, you know, first and foremost, if someone's on the fence, I think people can, t- can tend to have this sense of like, if I take the class, then I have to do it. And I'm like, no, you don't. You just take the first step. If you feel like this is something that is speaking to you, that you feel like, gosh, I'm passionate about kids and their families. I'm passionate about some of the the poverty, the mental health, the issues that surround, you know, first families oftentimes when their kids are in care. What can I do to help? Well, take the first step, take a class, just go and check out when the open house is going to be usually in the, in your area. They're doing them, you know, once a month or once every couple of months, just to get information. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can always say no. That's what I say. But just until you know, you want to say no, say yes. Like just take that step and just take a baby step forward. Or two, I say, if you're on the fence, talk to other foster families. Like I love talking to other foster moms because everyone's experience is so different. And I think that would have been something super helpful for me in the beginning. Um, If we had had some more time to talk to foster parents (laughs) who were doing it, I'm like, because there were so many things that happened to us. I'm like, I didn't even know that was a possibility. What is, I didn't know that that could they could tell you one thing and you could show up at the meeting and a different thing could happen. Like I had, I was like, Oh wait, but you said this, you know? Um, so if I could have just heard that, I think that would have helped to know, no, sometimes things change in 24 hours or less, you know, sometimes a relative could come out of nowhere or sometimes, you know, this or that. But for me personally, my husband and I, it was that, you know, we felt, we felt after hearing, um, a young woman who had been in foster care. She was 19. She had had two children of her own. She had been in three foster homes um, growing up and she shared that in two of them, she was sexually abused. Mm -hmm. And we were like, whoa, like these are supposed to be the safe places. So that made us like, it made us really angry and it made us really sad. And we were like, if we're feeling this angry and this sad, then we need to do something about this and who knows what it will look like when you know for us but we we can be a safe home for some children and 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 support their families because this should never ever happen um in foster care so that was what it did it for us and then we kept you know we took the classes and we would drive home from each one there was 13 weeks of classes and every thursday we would drive home and be like how we feeling? We're still, we're still good. We're still gonna, we're gonna keep going. And we would always be like, I mean, I would be crying in some of the classes. I'm a cry. And we'd always be like, yeah, let's, yeah, we're gonna keep, keep going, going back. We're gonna keep going. And we've, you know, been very thankful that we kept on with that decision. But there were several people, I mean, our, in our licensing group, there was like 13 families, I think, that started. Um, and I think about seven ended up getting licensed and, and having kids in their care. So that's okay too. It's yeah. okay if people recognize that, you know what, never mind. This isn't the right time. This isn't, this isn't going to be right for my family. But I think the hugest thing is to just find out more. Yeah. Cause everybody can do something, even if it's not foster parenting, you can volunteer, yeah. you can do all kinds of things. Um, and how do you see that you um, minister to like the biological mom? Like what is your approach? I would love to know what's your approach when, when, when you, I assume you met the bio mom or or how do you approach that? 
Mm-hmm. Such a good question. So I definitely had rose colored glasses on with that as well. When we started fostering, I was like, oh, we're going to be friends. Like, you know, I am again, as a social worker, I guess, super pridefully. I don't know. I thought like, I know the things to say that are going to make you feel like you can trust me. I want to support you. And so I like, you know, I went to the icebreaker meeting and I wrote her a letter and it was around Christmas time. So I got her a little present um, and printed out some pictures because we had had um, our son in care in our home before I, ha- I got a chance to meet her. It was a couple weeks. So I sent her some pictures and told her about our family. You know, here's, you know, we have these two older sons. They're so excited that he's here, but we know he's your son and we're not, you know, we're here to support you just to reiterate that. Um, and things were pretty good, it was, but it was a roller coaster ride for us, you know, and I think that's just, that's normal. And, and what I wish I would have done differently or known ahead of time was that, that all of the emotions for me are okay. And all of the emotions for her are okay. It's not, it's, you know, what we do with them isn't always okay, but we're allowed, we're human beings going through both of us, this very difficult experience. I mean, her way more so, you know, and, but me too. And just that I can hold space for her experience and whether or not she can hold space for mine, you know, I I need to have just continually remind myself that this is a hurting human being that is, needs me above all else to, to love her well. And that doesn't mean being a doormat. I talked to foster moms about that too. I'm like, you can be loving and set a boundary sometimes if that's what's necessary. And so we talk about that a lot online too, as part of the foster mom and trauma thing. Like we don't have to be just, you know, I don't know, dorm, doormat site for lack of a better word. Like we can say, you know, I'm, I'm here to serve you and support you. And I don't want to be talked to that way. And so this is what I'm going to, you know, until things get a little better. And I think I always tell people a boundary is an act of love. So it's really important. And two, it models health yeah. for maybe someone who really hasn't seen that before. Um, and who has had really like minimal experience with boundaries. So, and I also too, I think it's a, it's just kind of like sailing a ship. Like you're kind of always adjusting the sails. It's not like, you know, I, I wish I would have had that knowledge going in at first. Cause I felt like blindsided by that. Too. Yeah. I'm like, Wait a second. I thought things were so good. And then all of a sudden, no. And then they were good again. So, um, it's really helpful to remember that things just, just because things are a certain way now, doesn't mean they'll always be that way. I am a firm believer in boundaries across the board, boundaries with DSS, boundaries with my, you know, you, you have to set up boundaries. And, um, I tell foster mamas all the time, like, well, they want to come and visit on this day at this time. I said, if it's not convenient for you, then you need to say, I'm sorry, that won't work for me. I said, because we, you know, I think we all have to be kind and consider each other's schedule. And for the most part, my foster mamas will turn their schedule upside down for you. But just knowing that sometimes you just need to be able to say, it's just not a good day. It's just not a good day because I feel like foster moms, you're the expert on that child anyway. You're the Mm -hmm. expert. They're in your home. You're the expert. So you kind of have a, you know what they can take and what they can't take. And sometimes a visit is the very last thing that they, their little emotions need that day. And so don't be afraid to say no. Um, the whole last minute, oh, we need to come that I can't, but you can't always give a two week notice. I mean, I understand that, but it, it does kind of, it just messes up your whole day. If you're having a visit, you didn't know. And then kids see social workers, they didn't know they were going to see, or social workers show up at school and foster parent didn't know they were coming. Like, it's just, yeah. It's just the crazy emotion of it. You just have to make sure that we're all 
setting boundaries for ourselves, right? And setting boundaries yep. for our little kiddos and just trying to work together for the best outcome mm-hmm. for them. Well, tell me about one more thing, just because I'm a foster mama, but tell me about the day that you uh, your adoption was final. Like what kind of emotions, like be very real. Like what were your emotions on that day? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, so my son, our, his adoption was during COVID. So we didn't really get the big experience, um, which was fine. Cause we were just so ready to have permanency at that point. Cause through the pandemic, it slowed everything down. Um, but with my daughter, we did adopt her, um, in November, this past November. And it felt like the biggest weight off of me mm-hmm. just to know that these siblings would be together that and when the judge was saying like what it means to be an adoptive parent it really just like i was just so overcome with emotion of like the weight of it and the happiness the joy because as hard as it is as much as there is sadness too on that day i was like no this is our day to celebrate we are going to just we're going to focus on joy today there's going to be heavy things down the road there have been heavy things so far but our family had come in from out of state. Um, friends were there with us. We had the courtroom full. The judge was like, whoa, this is like the biggest crowd I've seen. I'm like, yeah, we, we, uh, we take up a lot of space. But, um, and it was cute. Like my son, the judge let my son bang the gavel to like close the case because he didn't really get that experience. So she was kind of honoring that too, that it was it was just amazing. It was beautiful. And we all got to say something. That's awesome. Um, whoever wanted to could say something. And my both my parents, you know, were speaking. It was amazing to hear other people. The lawyer spoke. Um, we had two social workers, one for each of our children. And the old one had come because she didn't get to come to the COVID one. So it was just amazing. It just felt like such a love fest and just such an overflowing like day of blessings. Oh, yes. It gotcha day is like so, so fun. Um, on uh, my daughter's gotcha day, I was overcome though. Like this, and as a therapist, I'm, I'm so I'm talking to you about this. It kind of came out of nowhere, but I was like, oh my gosh, like I am ecstatic that this has all happened and she's going to be part of our family. But like deep down, my mama heart was like, I am so sad for that mama. Because yeah. you had to lose really, really big for me to gain so big. Yes. And yeah. I feel like like nobody warned you about that because it kind of comes out of left field and you're like, wait a second, I'm supposed to be really, yeah. really happy. But it it I did have a sadness that day that that, that her chance was over to be mom. Yeah. So. I think that I, I do remember feeling that way on the way to the court. And then I kind of was like, Kathleen today focus on joy. But I will say for me, what happens a lot for me, that happens for me a lot, um, always on Mother's Day. It's always oh, a very, yeah. very complicated holiday. Ever since we started fostering, I, it used to be one of my favorite days of the year. Cause I mean, who doesn't love getting like <laughs> right? mama treated right, you know, but, um, it's always now it's always a mixed bag for me. It's always a sad day. I always think of her. I always, I'm just praying for her. And, um, I'm just, just so sad because I know, I mean, Somewhere out there is a, a mom that is a mom, but yeah. she doesn't have her kids, and so hard. Do you do anything special for your by um for your children, your adopted children on that day, or is there? Do you? I don't know how old they are. Do you talk to them about that, or or how how do you approach that? Yeah, so they were both um, infants when they came into our home. My daughter, when she was two days old, she came from the hospital, and my son, when he was six months old. Um, 
So we made my son a book. I still need to make it for my daughter, <laughs> but with, I had asked bio mom, could we have some pictures of you two, you know, in the, from the hospital from when, you know, in the first six months before he came to us. So she was very gracious and gave us those photos and we made a photo book. Um, and my son who's four is just starting to like, we talked to him, he's had this book since he was adopted, but you know, his little mind is still trying to piece things together and he doesn't know about the birds and the bees yet. So that's another thing, <laughs> you know, he's like, we were in her tummy. And I was like, yes, you and Sissy were in her tummy. Um, and he even, but just sometimes randomly, he'll bring it up and he'll say, I was in her, in her tummy. And I'm like, yeah, you were absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just kind of see where he goes with it. I just say, you know, you always, at the end of the book, I was like, you can ask us any question anytime. And we'll always tell you the truth in love because you, we are so happy that you're here and however you feel about your story is okay. You know, so I'm hoping just that we give that message over and over again as, at a young age that they'll at least know that there's an open door policy that we can talk about anything. Nothing is off limits. No feelings are off limits. Um, and that whatever they feel is okay. That's awesome. Now, um, we're going to finish up here, but you, you're so fearless fostering. Are there some, um, things that if foster moms are hearing this and they want to hear more or learn more about, is there something that you can help? I know you're in Connecticut, but I think you do virtual meetings or something. Yes. So I do a couple of different programs. I have, um, a, I can do a coaching session. Um, it has to be coaching because therapy over state lines is it's called <laughs> coaching I'm therapist, <laughs> right? We're just going to semantics, but yes. Um, so I can do that. I can do that via zoom for people. And I do, um, I also have a course that just opened up called solutions for foster care stress, which is essentially all the questions that foster mom has asked me all the time. I record, you know, a little like five minute video of what, what I would say if you were sitting in my office, basically, oh, as a client, awesome. and then a stillness practice or a movement practice that's linked to it that will help you the most. So there's like um, breathing exercises or, you know, journaling prompts, printables, things like that. Just because I think sometimes we feel like, at least I felt, I feel so helpless. I feel so like there's nothing I can do, but that's just not true. I'm mm -hmm. like, there's always something. So I think that giving someone a tool kit of like, if court date is, continued or nothing happens at court and you're frustrated, click on this link. Here's what you, an encouragement yeah. or like some advice for you. And then here's an activity or a printable or some sort of practice that you can do just to kind of regulate yourself a little bit more. That was like the heart behind that course. Well, that's awesome. I think in the show notes, we will put your website. So guys, y'all can get all of that um, and follow. You should definitely follow her on Instagram because you put a lot of great stuff out there. I, you exhaust me. So I, I'm like, how is she on Instagram all the time? Um, but I do have some help, which I do appreciate. So yes, but I'm it's really, it's good stuff. And we really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. And we probably will be asking you to come back. Um, if you don't mind, and we'll talk about something else next time, but thank you so much. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for joining us today for Foster Carolinas. Were you inspired by something you heard today? Well, we want to encourage you to make the next step, whatever that is. Everyone can do something for children in foster care. If you're not sure where to start, go to our website at www.lotcarolinas.com and see what you can do.